Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton. I am Jerry, as I tend to be. Joining us today on the show, we've got Terry, and we also have Thomas, who has joined us uh, first time in a while. So, Terry, I feel like I see you, you know, me and you are like, you know, twice a week buddies now, but uh, Thomas, it's been a while, man. You doing yeah, okay? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm, I am surviving, my friend. <laughs> Uh, uh, we 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 totally have not have not planned any kind of like early show banter here. I just realized. Uh, so <laughs> so I have I have no idea where to go with this. John, cut this out. Uh, we never so, plan. We, that's the whole you, point of banter. It's not meant to be planned. How can you plan that? Uh, I know, but you know what I was going to go to though. I was going to go to the weather. Be like, so Terry, you say it's been raining in England for three days. You know what I mean? And I worry that's a little uh, cliche banter, uh, talking weather. Uh, so yeah, I don't know where to go. Um, yeah, the weather's a bit, you know, bus stop conversation, isn't it? Let's be honest. <laughs> that awkward so, eye contact, like, yeah, this weather's terrible, isn't it? It's like, all yeah. time, you can't help yourself. If you look, you make too much eye contact to not speak. You have to, you just go to the weather, you just reach for it. John, why don't we just use this? How we're talking about how talking about the weather is, is, is crap conversation for anyone. You know what I mean? It's like, we're, we're you know, rebelling against the, the cliched, uh, you know, constructs of conversation uh we, we are pushing past boundaries we are we are very meta right now we are meta conversationalists <laughs> we can't talk about the weather no we'll talk about how we don't talk about the weather yeah how about that <laughs> oh so yeah um uh, thomas have you gotten to check out uh your your local non-league team Gateshead lately I have quite a few you've been able to watch yeah. them play lately yeah it's not good Mike Williamson yeah. as manager former Newcastle player uh, yeah start, start the season poorly but it's, it's picking up now everyone's very hopeful FA Cup started last week as well so that, that's how early it starts for National League teams until you get to the January for all the Premier League to come in so yeah yeah it's going well how much is a non-league ticket out of curiosity like for one um, match well for like concessions of students and so for me, it's like eight quid for me, I think, eight pound. But then for an adult, I think it might be 15. But Gateshead's quite expensive because nobody goes, basically, so they need as much money as they can get. But if you go to teams like York City, you know, like Hartlepool and that, their tickets are probably a bit cheaper because they get higher attendances. Mm. Wow. Terry, do you go to any? Uh, not regularly, but I've been to um, I've been to one here a few times uh, called the City of Liverpool FC. Oh. It's sort of... I, I actually have yeah them. well um they're the the perps because they're purple you know Everton and Liverpool kind of thing mm -hmm. and they're really good they're community owned uh, they've got a really good following really you know rowdy sort of like boisterous following it's it's you know it's a good time when you go they're quite they're cheaper than that I can't, it's been such a long time since I've been there I can't remember exactly but I think it's like seven seven quid or something like that and for a home ticket anyway but um, interesting fact about them they they potentially it's not set in stone but last I heard could be buying um, a field basically to build a new ground on and it's literally in front of my house like if I look out my front bedroom window it's a huge field that's not anything at the minute and if they you know if they get the they win the bid I think it's something like they've got like a exclusive deal on it where they can look for funding for 6 to 12 months and no one in that time can, you know, take it instead. And if they get the funds, they can have it. But if the time elapses, someone else can come in. I'd love it to be that. The uh, <laughs> the wife wasn't too keen on it, but I, I had to explain. It was like, yeah, they're not they're not building Wembley. They're not like building a, a mega stadium in front of our house. It's it's a small, you know, community owned football club. It'd be a good thing. Plus, I can look out my bedroom and, and see and see the match. That would be that would be. I can't even imagine that. 
Yeah, especially in my neighborhood. The idea of <laughs> looking out and be like, "Oh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hang out right here and sit on my windowsill, <laughs> just uh, you know, <laughs> get a get a beer." Yeah, that'd mm-hmm. be nice. Uh, I know um, Tom does a lot of work with Marine, uh, which is another another small club, and it's one of those things. Like my wife and I have already decided. Like when we go to visit England, we are going to some non-link matches. It's just gonna happen. You know what I mean? Uh, just to kind of because we're expecting the experience to be different. Very different, you know? yeah. Yeah. You know, um, which I'm I'm cool with. I'm very cool with that. Just to kind of get the variation, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, there's our uh, there's our totally improvised non-league conversation. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming the non-league has better attendance than our USL two franchise that's like 35 minutes away in uh in greensboro uh because that's usually like about maybe 100 people yeah yeah it's a few more than that (laughs) maybe yeah uh, depends on the club but um yeah most non-league yeah you know a lot more than that like it's it's quite popular oh that's awesome that's great i didn't realize it was that like i figured it was more but i didn't realize it was like that much more that's awesome yeah i mean here it's like you know the 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 USL two is uh, basically all university players that are playing during their summer, and that is it. They don't have really any like outside athletes or anything playing for them. At least not the one that we. Yeah, well, Notts County are a non-league team now. They're quite big, though, really. So they got like mm-hmm. nine thousand fans, I think, the other day in the national league game. So it was quite impressive for them. That's yeah. awesome. The good thing about the the non-league and and the lower leagues, especially, but um. You don't get a lot of what, what you know. What I can imagine someone who wasn't familiar with it would would assume is that like, oh well, you know, they've got like a big club in their catchment area, and they just sort of follow them, but then go and watch their their um, their local team to pass the time and get a ticket. No, they they're non-league fans, and and you know, they're all they support that club. You don't get like. I went to university in Chester, and there's loads of Chester fans, and that's it. They, they don't support like Man United and Liverpool or Everton or someone like that. The same. There's a lot of people who live there who do support those clubs, but there's no crossover. If you're if they're a Chester fan, that's their club. They don't have like a Premier League sort of other team. They just stick with their lower league team. It's brilliant. Yeah, that that works over there for some for some folk. I'll tell you here. Supporting your local, not really an option as much. <laughs> unless you want to never watch your team, unless it's live. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. Now, this match is televised, by the way, the non-league ones? Uh, some of them are now on BT, actually. Uh, like the top league of uh, non-league is sometimes on TV, but that's basically when BT have got nothing else to put on. So they... I just wasn't sure if like the clubs were had the ability to be able to stream their stuff like online via YouTube or whatever. Oh yeah, that definitely. would be a really good yeah. idea to do every single some one. Some of them can, you know? it depends on the club really. Some of them have got like like Notts County, they've got like better grounds and um I did a lot of work at Chester's ground. Chester's ground's quite a big ground for a non league team. Um but obviously there's some which are very, you know, lower down the pyramid which have got basically a field with some, you know, some standing there. I've been to some shocking stadiums. I've yeah, been no, no. I have seen some some site. No, there's no chance there's anything going on there. Like you struggle to get a shot on your phone, never mind a professional camera yeah. Well, Gateshead Stadium's twelve K seater, which is a bit ridiculous actually. So it's bigger than Bournemouth Stadium, but just obviously doesn't get the same attendances. It's it's like athletics and that, so it was built for athletics, but basically Gateshead just kind of squat there and play the football there instead. <laughs> Dang. All right, I'm just trying to gauge how that works there because I, I just don't know. All right, so anyway, we have to get to the to the actual Everton content now. Um, for those of you listening via podcast, uh, this is what we got lined up for you. We're starting off with an extra time segment on the uh, the city match from Saturday. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. Um, could be some interesting conversations stemming from that. And in the same vein, we are going to be talking about, uh, in the next segment, we'll be talking about Marco Silva. Uh, and what, what is, what, what's next for Marco Silva? What's the, what's our views on him? How are we feeling about him? All that kind of stuff. Um, 
we actually did a poll, uh, talking to John did a poll earlier on, on Twitter, uh, asking what people were thinking about him right now. So we actually have some data to, to back all this up, uh, to, to, to you know, support the conversation. And then we'll do a quiz, a starting 11 quiz from the past. We'll see how, how the fellas do, uh, trying to name starters from a match from the uh, So guys, hey. Saturday was a weird one um, for this uh, for this extra time segment. Saturday was a weird one um, because I uh, yeah lost three one. Um, however, I I didn't walk away thinking oh wow Everton that was the saddest thing I've ever seen. You know uh, I I was not like angry the way I've been over some of our other recent losses. You know. Um, so uh, let's start. Let's start with uh, with Thomas because it's it's been a little while. Uh, Thomas, how do you think we did? I'm just going to start with how we do. I think know? in comparison to the past games, obviously Sheffield United and Bournemouth, much much more exciting to watch, much more interesting. We showed a lot more attacking threat. But as much as that's good to see, that that hasn't really been our problem recently. It's breaking down the teams that are going to defend. So when City were attacking and then we were countering, that's when we looked at our best. So. As good as it was of a performance, and obviously we didn't get the win, I'm sure Terry can go into a lot of details about people he's argued with on Twitter about the performance and the reaction to that. But kind of, on a whole, we, we showed good attacking football because City were kind of open at the back. I think that game suits us a lot more than kind of playing the defence teams because we don't really have a clue how to break defensive teams down. But overall, ice in isolation, it was a good performance for me. Um, yeah. Uh, it's It's... A similar kind of situation when we're playing a team uh, whose style allows us some, you know, opportunity. Mm. Uh, we usually end up getting some shots on goal, you know, which that did happen for us on Saturday. Um, however, uh, City ended up uh, basically just scoring more than we did. They they capitalized. Uh, Ederson made some good saves. He did. You know, um, I think we could have made it work a little harder by putting some of our chances on on goal, uh, you know, more to the corners. We did sort of put them a little bit central, uh, a little too often. But uh, at the same time, you know, we we had opportunities. Uh, Terry, how do you how are you feeling? I, Terry's just a lot of people are not. They're wanting to argue with the Terry lately, and I, I am shocked <laughs> and appalled. Uh, and people wanting to get in, you know, get into a little bit of Twitter fisticuffs with this gentleman. So, so, so Terry, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about why about that in just a minute. But let's just start with uh, how you felt like we we played. I thought we played well, um, you know, to a point. I mean, it wasn't like an amazing performance, but I thought we were really unfortunate. The on, on a different day, um, Edison doesn't stop that Calvert-Lewin shot with his knee and he doesn't make that save from Yerry Mina's header off a corner and we've got three goals. It's just one of those things where you know the, the luck went against us at the key times and when that ball hits the bar off, um, I think it was Sterling, and bounces down, it goes over the line and back out and another day it might have gone, it might have not crossed the line and we, and we get away with it. It's just, I think... I mean, you, you touched on it there. The, you know the the sort of Twitter um, reaction. I think I'll, I think the main thing is that no one really looked at the game in isolation, which I, I can I can understand. Everyone sort of looked at it as the latest defeat in a long list of defeats. Don't think anyone would would have had such a problem with us losing a close. You know, well contested game with Manchester City. If we'd have beaten Aston Villa and beaten Sheffield United or got some out of Bournemouth, it's a sort of culmination of of what has been some very frustrating, very poor performances. And then we turn it on against a much much better team, and it's all for naught because they're a much much better team. I think that I think that's people's main problem that there's no point playing really well and losing to a top team play really well against the lesser teams and beat them and then pl- and you get more for it there's no points for giving city a game and i think that's the that's what people are upset about are upset by but i i just think 
in isolation, you can't be too angry at the team for the you know for the performance they put in. It was, as I say, could, we've seen Everton play better. We've seen us play a lot worse. We gave the what I believe the best team in the world a really good game, and we're unfortunate not to get something out of it. Um, I, I hesitate to have all this conversation just yet because I feel like it's going to spill into the Marco Silva conversation in the next segment. So I don't want to get too much into detail of the whole, like, you know, being able to, for some folks, improvement is a, is a good thing despite the result. Um, and for some folks, it's very clear cut. If you if you lose, you're not supposed to be happy. Period. You're not. But there isn't a bright side to it. It's it's a loss, so that's the way it is. So I mean, there's a couple of different. And I think it's there. Neither one is a completely irrational uh, viewpoint. You know what I mean? There's there there. You can understand the argument behind both of those. Uh, but at the same time, it's just you know it really depends on the type of person you are. It depends on uh, circumstances. You know. You you may be in a more agitated point in your life, where you know you really need football to kind of come through for you. And if Everton's not, then you're like, what is wrong with the universe? You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I I was one of those who when I when I finished watching, I'd watch the whole thing with my seven year old Bennett, and I looked over him when I was over. I was like, well, I hate we lost. It wasn't bad looking football. I think at the start of the game, there was times when De Bruyne and Amaras were linking up down the right-hand side, and I thought, we could be heading for a 6 or 7 nil. We could be the next Watford at times. So to come from that and then actually put up a performance. There's been so many people on Twitter this week saying, that's a championship club mentality, put this, that. The level that Manchester City are at is far beyond what I've ever personally seen and what I think a lot of people have ever seen, really, in the Premier League. Like, the quality that they are producing at the moment, the players that they have, like seeing like at the start of the game where Mina cleared it straight to Mares, and then on the half volley he did the outside of the foot cross into Gundogan, who then hit the bar. It's quality like that which we don't have, and we can't really expect to have because they are a team beyond what can we expect. And there's a classic argument of we spend so much money. That's that's ridiculous to to be able to do that. We're never going to be be able to buy players who are instantly going to be able to do that. And at the end of the day. We put up a performance where we attacked, they attacked. Their ability is just beyond ours, and that's kind of what we've got to accept. You can talk about breaking into the top six, but that's got to come against the teams lower down the table, and we've got to pick up points against them. Because at the end of the day, when you play in teams like Manchester City, and as much as I hate to say it, to play Liverpool, the quality that they have is just beyond the rest of the league. Against teams like United, Chelsea, Arsenal, you stand a chance against them because their qualities not all the way up there then they're nowhere near the level that City and Liverpool have kind of broken into in the past season and a bit but basically we went we went against what I believe is the best team in Europe on Saturday yeah Saturday evening and we and we attacked them but we didn't look scared to go out and attack them because there's so many teams who have just sat there and gone we're going to shut up shop here and hope we don't get whipped 5-0 here and we hope for the goal difference what we did we we played a game we gave the fans something to shout about at least and I'd much rather we we went and attacked them and lost 3-1 then sit there and inevitably lose because City do have the ability to break teams down they're an unbelievable team and they can break down a team who is just going to sit and defend we don't have that ability right now and we were just beaten by a ridiculously good team like uh, I'm not Jerry you won't have seen them like in real life yet but like the Manchester City team when you see them in person they are they are a ridiculously good team and there's no chance we I'm not saying there's no chance we could have beat them I think when you come up against a team like that, it is the look, like Terry was saying. It is the Sterling hitting the bar, Edison having an unbelievable game. It is you kind of have to, you do have to rely on that as much as people do want to accept that. You know, we're not Manchester City. We don't have incredible, incredible quality players, but we were just beaten by a, a good team, a very, very good team on Saturday. One of the things about City is they they present, they create a lot of chances, but it's not just you know the fact that they're creating chances, it's, we're talking about high quality chances, all right? They, they, they cash in on a lot of their chances because they're really, they're closer. You know, I was listening to a podcast the other day, um, I think it was a Total Soccer Show here in America, and they were talking about the quality, the reason City, uh, City's 
quality of chances are just better than Liverpool's. They're closer than Liverpool's, uh, which is interesting, you know. So they end up like scoring mo- more of their chances than Liverpool does, you know. Uh, so it would be natural if we had slightly f- fewer chances, you know. What I mean, I don't know if ours were as good as theirs. No, I don't think so. You know. You know? I think a big thing as well is the familiarity of Manchester City. If if we play that exact game against Bayern Munich or um, PSG, and we we lose three one, and we we have the chances we have, we'd come away. A, a lot of fans, a lot of our, bulk of our fans, I think, would come away and go, you know what, we had a good game there. We were right in it. We were just unlucky. But then those two teams aren't as good as Man City. But we don't. We it's hard for us to accept that in a way because we. We're familiar with Man City. We play them every year, and we, you know, we used to beat them every year. And I think now it's sort of we don't. It's hard for uh, our fans, Everton fans, to accept that Man City are on this other planet than the rest of the league, because even when they were winning leagues in their early years of, well, being rich, basically, we they still couldn't beat us. We had we were their bogey team. And I don't think anyone now, you know, still believes we should be their bogey team. But I think they don't get the level of respect from us that they probably do off everyone else because we we, we didn't show them the respect for so long. We you know we didn't care. We went and took the game to them. We beat them regularly. We beat them with Pep Guardiola. We put four, you know Pep Guardiola's biggest career defeat. I think is still that four nil at Goodison Park. So. Where's teams with more exotic names? If we play that exact same game against, we, I think our, I think a lot of supporters who were who were angry at the weekend would be a lot more accepting of than they are with Man City because they're more familiar with them. But the, the, this really is possibly the well, it is the best ever Premier League side ever, and I think the best side in the world. And we were unlucky. I, I think you know, I, I think the likes of Watford and that. Are, Probably thinking, you know, God, I wish we could, you know, you know, but Watford would have swapped with us. You know what I mean? I'm not, I, I know that's going to come off as like, well, you know, we're we're bigger than Watford. Yes, we are, but Man City is still that good. That's how good they are. They can do things like that to other Premier League teams. I, I'm, I'm just not angry about about the the performance of the team. I, I, I feel like they gave a good showing of themselves and deserved. A, I think we deserved a draw. The first 15, 20 minutes, notwithstanding. Where we were absolutely battered, as she touched on. But um, after that, I thought we were we were right in it. Um, a couple of things. I'm always one of those people who thinks that the better teams tend to be luckier. You know what I mean? Like I, I just want to go ahead and say I do think when we become a better team, when we get when we start developing the mentality and start winning these gritty games, the ones where our chances are equal with the other team, once we start coming out of those, it's going to change our mentality. We're just going to become a better team, and we're going to be luckier. Because I think luck is usually, like, usually a direct result of having more or better chances. You know what I mean? That's just that's just the way it works for me. Um, however, I do want to point out additionally, for the people that are saying, you know what? we didn't do too poorly on Saturday. None of them are celebrating this loss. None of them. Not one person is like going out and like having having pints because they're happy we only lost 3-1. None of them are celebrating it. Everybody's still a little annoyed we lost. You know what I mean? Nobody's nobody's like sitting there, you know, <laughs> ready to do their videos, you know, talking about how badass we are cuz we lost 3-1. Nobody's doing that. And, and for some reason, I think for, for some people, it's a very black and white issue. It's either you don't accept mediocrity or you do. For some people, it's one or the other. You know what I mean? And for some people, it's very like it's a very cutthroat thing. You know? And it, there's, there's not as much of a gray area. And for some people, I think it's simpler for them to live that way. You know? It's easier. This is the way I feel, and that's the way it is, and I made my mind up about it, and there you go. And if you don't agree, I'm sorry. I think you're wrong. You know what I mean? That's cool. I'm not going to say that that particular way of living is or thinking and making decisions is wrong cause, just because it's not the way I do it. I think some of the shouts <laughs> on Twitter after the game of they were there for the taking. TME. So people saying, oh, well, they had Fernandinho at centre-back and they had Gabriel Jesus starting a strike. These are ridiculously good players. 
Fernandinho has been one of the top midfielders in the league for a few seasons now. Just because he's playing centre-back, that doesn't mean like he's there for the taking. He's, an, he's a professional player at the end of the day. He can go from central defensive midfield to centre-back. And people saying, oh, this was our opportunity to beat Manchester City. Gabriel Jesus is a ridiculously high-quality player. And then, then they bring on Bernardo Silva and Aguero. It's not like these players were out completely. Oh, and David Davison yeah, as well. And it's not, like, it's not like they were playing a team of like youth players and they didn't have Edison in goal and they had like you know they were playing Scott Carson in goal at the end of the day this was still a ridiculously good team that they fielded and the people saying that they were there for the take and or it was a poor team they fielded I'd take that team every every single day of the week I'd I'd happily put Fernandinho at centre back at at our rate at the moment and people saying Zinchenko is not a good enough left back he's not a high quality left back don't get me wrong but he's still a very good player it's it's not like he's going to play in this team it's not like Pep Guardiola and Mikel Arteta are going to go themselves He's not good enough, but we'll still put him in the team. He's still a very good player. And the, like Otamendi, probably the most questionable out of the team. You know, he made that dodgy challenge when he was exposed on like the halfway line and everything. But that was still a very good side that we came up against. Okay, it's not their best. It's not like Prime Vincent Company was playing at the back. It's not like Aguero was up top. That was still a very good team who would beat any side in the Premier League. Yeah, and I also want to be very clear too. I want to make it clear that I'm saying... I had hope in that game. Beginning, I didn't, because we looked like shit. <laughs> but there was a point in which I had some hope, which was nice. Now, some would say the hope kills you. Yeah, it kind of does. But <laughs> at the same time, I'd rather have hope and possibly some form of belief of any kind rather than flat out watching a game like we've watched you know, against uh, like, like the, the, the Sheffield United match. Okay, that was just that was uninspiring, bland. No, no, that's the only thing I can say to that is no, you know. But this at least um, there was a flicker there, a flicker of why I watch the sport, a flicker of why you know what I mean. Like, and I, I'm I like the flicker. I'd rather it be something bigger, you know what I mean. I'd rather it be stronger, but you know, I don't know. That was my that was my whole stance. Really, was like. Oh well, they were there for the taking, and and you know we should have been. Th- we we didn't. We did what what a lot of teams can't do. We we made the chances. What 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 are we? What are our players? What are our manager? What are they meant to do? When Edison's playing a, a blinder, when when you're making the chances, when when you you know you you're having more shots on target against Man City than than any other team recently. It's like you're doing what you're meant to be doing, but you can't you know legislate for the fact that their keeper might have a. A worldy, basically. It's a, it's. I just thought it was incredibly harsh to be so angry at the defeat. And 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 as I say, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I do feel just going off the some of the responses I got for Twitter. It's just like it's just. I think a lot of people were looking at it in the context of the whole season, which is a completely different issue. It's yeah. It I, I can't really argue with that. I, that game doesn't make. The other defeats against much weaker teams with much worse performances any better, but just in isolation, I, I thought, you know, people were being harsh about the City game. Yeah, I mean, negative mojo spilling over. I do get that. I do get that, and I think if we had gotten more points previously out of the rest of the season, I think the the reaction would not have been so negative. Um, but I don't know. Uh, it's a perspective check. You know what I mean? Um, it's not the easiest thing, and I think you can you can look at both. You know. Um, so uh, you know there was there was the whole thing. I think uh, I saw where American Toffee Podcast were the ones who retweeted. I think it was a, a Sky. Uh, stat that they put out there that said that uh, we got the most shots on target versus that Pep has faced in the since he's been managing like uh, 121 Premier League matches. Um, so there were, you know, we had chances. We did. You know what I mean? And our biggest problem in recent times has been not enough chances. Uh, I want to see how we do against Burnley, the ones who are going to pack back. That's what I want to see. I want to see what happens when we're not being attacked every five minutes to be able to go back at them quickly. I want to know what that's going to look like. 
And if my, I'm going to reserve some of my, my judgment because you know, we got, we, you can't just play okay football against the best and then crap football against the, the not as great teams and expect to, to have the season you want. It's not going to happen. So that's building on what both of you guys have said in recent <laughs> times. Um, anything else on this, guys? Because, I mean, we could talk about quality performers and all this stuff, but uh, I almost feel like the, the conversation itself is, you know, how we're feeling after that. And, and the fact that our performance, if you isolate it, as you said, Terry, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. Still a loss, though. You guys yeah. good? Yeah, it's done. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we need to we need to talk about Marco Silva. Um, a lot of people, a lot of Everton supporters uh, have, have seen enough of Silva. Uh, they are thinking it's uh, it's time for for Silva to be out, so we were going to discuss that today. Uh, so, Terry, let's start with you. I'm going to take something that you wrote to the Toffee Blues like Twitter messaging community and pretend like it's mine and feed it to you for you to blab about it. Terry, is it fair for us to judge Marco Silva at this phase, considering the fact that he's had a, a lot of injuries this season in particular? Um, yeah. That was totally my idea to ask that question, and not Terry's. Yes and no. Um, yes, in the sense of. You know, there's games, every manager has injuries, every squad has injuries throughout the season. The games that we've played when we've had players injured, could we have done better? Could we have set up better? Could we have played differently? Yeah, definitely. I think the formation's a bit stale. I understand why he plays at the minute, because I think the change that he may want to implement is dependent on... um, Gabamon playing and without Gabamon fit, I think they've just he's just probably played it safe and gone back to the four two three one that most of the players are familiar with. But at this point it's it's clear for everyone that it's not working. So criticism is fair in that regard. Could have done better, should have done better, especially against the teams like um, Aston Villa who didn't play that well against us, frankly. Um we Bournemouth we sort of gifted them that win, you know, with some of the mistakes we made. Can't really blame Silver for that, the individual mistakes it, entirely. You can blame him for some things. And Sheffield United, obviously. Um, big picture-wise, no. No, I, I I, I don't want to say you can't blame him, but what I, my whole point is I don't see how you can sack a manager, which a lot of people want to do at this point. Um when two of the key players he's bought in the summer have been missing for a few weeks now and one will carry on being missing for a while because of the nature of the injury. Last season, if we'd have played and we didn't have Gomez or Adrissa Gay, we'd have really, really struggled because they were our two central midfielders. They were the engine of the whole team. And right now we're playing without Andre Gomez and the replacement for Adrissa Gay. So we are down to absolutely crucial players and whilst that doesn't mean you can write off all the games until they're back it does make it just sits uneasily with me when people are saying you know the manager's got to go and give him a chance to use the players he's bought in the summer it's you know it's seven games it doesn't mean that you know all the defeats have been you know oh well they don't matter because there was no Gabamon or there was no Gomez or what have you but I'd like to see what Silva does when he has the his team fit when he's got the, I mean Greg O'Keefe mentioned in the Athletic that the idea was in the summer to play 
Gabamin as a traditional number six. He's been brought in for that specific role with Delph and Gomez in front of him, and that would completely change the team. It would, it would change the way the midfield works. The forwards would play much further up the pitch. You might see more goals from them. You might see it. It might be a totally different Everton team. And until we see that, I I just don't want to see any... For me, I, I just don't see any logic in, in changing manager. There's there's a, there's a million other things as well I can touch up for not wanting to change manager, but just but just to that point, you can't really make an informed decision on him until you've seen what he actually has planned to do with the players he bought. He's playing with the with two key midfielders missing. I think a lot of managers around the league, if they had two of their starting midfielders missing, they would also struggle. I guess, and I'll give this question to you, Terry, because it's fair, and then I'll move to Thomas. Uh, how long do you wait? Um, for me? Because because uh, I was sitting there, I was thinking, yeah, that makes total sense, Terry, but then I'm like, gosh, what if these players are out for a significant amount of time? Like, like they come right back and then they get hurt again, which is possible. Well, you know? in, in that regard, you obviously have to change, you know, change gears because then it's, then it's how he handles long-term injuries that you can't you know, oh, well, we'll wait for next season kind of thing. But there's three criteria for changing the manager. And, and, and I'm, I don't think we should we should sack Marco Silva. I don't think we will. And I really don't think we should. But I'm not attached to him in the sense of never sack him. I don't think he's this all-conquering brilliant manager. I just think it's really premature to speak like this. Because for me, there's three criteria for changing manager. There's... Are you... Sorry, I'll start that again. <clears throat> for me, there's three criteria for changing manager. One, is there someone better to replace him with? Obviously, there may be. We don't know. Could be Mar- Marcel Brands could have the perfect person uh, to replace him. But right now, if you ask me and if you ask a lot of people online, it's the, the prevailing argument seems to be Mikel Arteta. Okay complete unknown no one knows whether he's going to be any good could be a bit um, could be brilliant could not work a total mystery Jose Mourinho completely unrealistic for me I know he's available I know he's you know he's on TV a lot and he's sort of that sort of Damocles above everyone every manager's head just lingering there where every time there's a bad performance for a manager under pressure you know oh Jose's there well, come on. Jose Mourinho would not buy a house when he was the manager of Manchester United. He lived in a hotel like Alan Partridge. He's just... He, he, he's not going to come to Everton. It's just... there's It's just not going to work. Because he costs £15 million a season in salary, which, you know, even if you're willing to pay it, that's, that's probably going to make any chairman bulk. And he probably can't make our players play his style because he plays a very specific low block compact quick counter attack and play you can't we haven't got the players to do that and we you know we can't now just go on another spending spree and completely re-kit the squad we've built a squad under brands which suits a certain style of manager and that's not Jose Mourinho even if he would come here which I don't think he would frankly personally whether you agree with me or not that's it so whether the man whether there's someone to replace him with whether you have seen enough from that manager in that season. I, this is what we did last time. I think we jumped too early on Cumin. Cumin probably would have went eventually, but look at the state we ended up in when we jumped too early on Cumin. We ended up with David Unsworth in charge for a few, you know, for a, about a month and a half, and it was a disaster. We were scrambling around, trying, you know, offering money out for um, Watford to take silver didn't take it obviously we know what happened there he got sacked and we ended up getting him anyway grasp for whoever was available Sam Allardyce back to square one if we were to sack Marco Silva with less than 10 games of the season gone when he hasn't even used two of his players two of his key players properly yet hasn't got hasn't got Michael um, sorry hasn't got Moise Keane settled in hasn't got hasn't got all the things he set up in the summer going yet what what he's going to turn around and say well you didn't give me a chance you didn't you, I, 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 did, I was going to make these big changes but you sacked me after 8-9 games I can't I, I don't know what else to tell you and then 
all we'll end up doing is best case scenario grasping around and getting another bear in mind best case scenario is another silver type manager a sort of gamble on an unknown manager in this league um, who won't have the benefit of a full 12 months um, with the squad and third and finally uh, if you look like you're going to get relegated then that's all bets are off then obviously you, you, that's doesn't matter. The other two take second, take less precedent than that. If you look like you're going to go down, you have to make a change and make a severe and drastic change. Um, but let's let's be realistic. It's never going to happen. We were absolutely terrible in that Allardyce, Cooman, Unsworth mess scenario, and we still finished eighth. There's now too much quality, too much investment, too much built up in about the top 10 clubs to ever go down there will never be there will never be enough there will never be um a, a season where there aren't three worst clubs i i, I know no one suggested well I, I was about to say i know no one suggests them will go down but there probably is but that's the only third criteria obviously all, all the patience all the you know look for a better manager kind of thing you know that that obviously just had got the window if, if we thought we're going to go down but i don't think it's that i think we've got the luxury of being able to wait for either silver to turn it around when he gets his players available or to bide our time until the right replacement is out there and i don't think any of those criteria is satisfied uh so Let's move on to Thomas because I forgot what he sounds like. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I realized in the end, like while I was saying, I was like, I hate the way I'm explaining this. I've gone full. I've gone full Paul. I've started going around in circles and and yeah. So, um, John, please chop that up as much as you like. Make me sound coherent. I'd really appreciate that. Just take out every fifth word. <laughs> That won't be tough. To I, was actually, at all, I was actually John. reading on the train, going, "I'm going to mention those three points," and I botched it completely. So, I blame you, Jerry. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, join the club, get in line, the the Jerry blame train. Uh, <laughs> so, sorry, everyone who's nodded off, but um, Thomas is is we've woke Thomas up now, so you go. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, luckily, <laughs> luckily you've left me a lot to talk about there. Plenty, plenty more avenues to explore. Well, uh, basically, <laughs> underline is I don't think Marcus Silva should be sacked. It kind of just needs to be said straight away, I think. <laughs> you know, without repeating what Terry said. It's all right, they're going to cut a lot of it out anyway. So <laughs> We've got to wait to see when Silva has all the players at his disposal, what the tactics he wants to play is. There's plenty said about... He's too stubborn, he's stuck in his 4-2-3-1, he's refusing to change it. He doesn't have all of his players, he doesn't have all the personnel that he needs. So when he first came in, one of his first interviews, he said he wanted to play a 4-3-3. Obviously, we haven't really seen that. We touched on it a bit last season at times with Sigson kind of dropping back. But you can't judge a manager, his tactics, based on what he doesn't have. He needs all the players that he has signed to be able to implement his like kind of his philosophy, his the tactics that he wants to play. You know, you you look at other managers, and I think Klopp's a big example of that. He wanted to play fast attacking football. He wasn't playing that with Ricky Lambert and Balotelli and all that. He's he was given the time to sign the players he needed to play his football, and I think that's so important for Marco Silva. But he has signed Gabamin, and we don't know. Obviously, there's no way of being certain that he does want to play this four three three or whatever we want to imagine it's going to be. But we can be pretty certain that he is going to want to change tactics there's no way he's come in thinking 4-2-3-1 is the only way we can play and despite all the losses we're getting we are sticking with that and that is the that is the best system for us to play I think I think it's insulting to Marcus Silva to be fair to say that he is that stubborn that even if he had all the best players at his disposal he would sit there in his 4-2-3-1 and think there isn't a problem here we're losing a Sheffield United in Bournemouth but you know we'll, we'll stick using it because I reckon it'll work eventually I think obviously it's not proven or anything but I think he's a much better manager than that I think he's a much more intelligent manager than that so once he does have all the players at his disposal that he can kind of play his system I think that's when we can start judging him if we're still losing when he doesn't have all the players to change his system when he when we're not getting results then that that's the worrying thing if we're not playing attack football if we're not winning games if we're not breaking the best team uh, the 
sorry, the most defensive teams down, I think that's when you start judging Marco Silva based on what he actually wants to do. And I think another important thing is, Gilfie Sigton, there's been so much said about him this season. Is he going to adapt to the kind of sitting a bit further back? Obviously, he's kind of always played in that number 10 position. And obviously, left wing under David Unsworth, but we won't bring that back up. But when he's played in that number 10 position, we don't know if he's willing to then come back into the 4-3-3. And because he is, he has been such an important player for us and he does offer so much in that number 10. Obviously, I'm not saying we can afford to build a whole team around Gilfie Sigurdsson, but I'm saying he has to show that he's willing to drop back because that is pretty much it. To go from a 4-2-3-1 to a 4-3-3, it's kind of that number 10 kind of uh, central attack midfielder out and out. If they're more adaptable to play in the 4-3-3 in a midfield three, and then for the wingers to push further on. Like, for Sigurdsson, if he doesn't adapt, because I'd imagine Marcus Silva's asked him to play in the, the 4-3-3. Obviously, we're still imagining things here. But for me, <laughs> and obviously I'm not suggesting we base Marcus Silva entirely on Gilfie Sigurdsson, but if Sigurdsson doesn't drop back in that 4-3-3 and we do get all the players back and Sigurdsson's still there, I think that might be quite a telltale of the personnel he's got. Obviously, Sigurdsson, has he been a passenger this season? He's created all these chances. I'm not sure I, I even believe that stat that I saw today, that he's created like some of the most chances in the Premier League. I think he's been incredibly poor for most of the season so far. But I think once Silva has all the players that he needs to play his system that he wants to play, I think that's when you can look, that's when you can start judging him. You know, where's he? he's managed at Hull going in a relegation battle. There's no way he was going to come in then, <laughs> bringing on bringing in Umar Nias on loan. There's no way he was actually implementing his system there, his tactics there. And he didn't really get enough time at Watford and he didn't get more than a window. Obviously, he's had two transfer windows with us now. He has signed quite a few players. He spent so much money, whatever, whatever, whatever. But he can only implement his system when he has the players that he signed and he knows that can fit into that role. And I think when Gabamon and Gaboom Gabumas, when Gabamon and Gomez then come back into the team... <laughs> That's awful. I'm so going to start that. Gabon and Gabomez. That's fantastic. Well, when they, Sorry, keep going. When they come back into the team, if he's still insisting on those 4-2-3-1 and it's not working, we judge him then. If he's playing the 4-3-3 and it's working, that's when we judge him when he does have all the players. I know this is pretty much what Terry said, but you know, we, we all do have the same opinion that Marcus Silva should stay. He can't be judged until... Personally, I don't think even the end of the season, unless it comes to, you know what, like... February, March, and we're sat in the relegation zone, which we we won't be. You look at teams like Newcastle, wow, they are in a decline. You know, Steve Bruce came out in an interview and said he doesn't believe in tactics, he just believes in having a go. That's not what Marcus Silva thinks. I think Marcus Silva's much more tactically aware than that. And I think he's got to be given the time, pretty much, I'm going around in circles again here, but he's got to be given the time with his players to implement his system. And at least, I think, until the end of the season to show, will he turn results around and will we eventually be able to break down teams who will just defend against us? The kind of change that he wants to implement takes time. People don't understand that. He, he inherited a really poor squad and the clubs took a while to you know, recycle it out and it's, it still isn't finished. There's still players you know, who were getting game time who we probably you know, would prefer not to be using and have upgrades on. Yeah, um, I think... I understand, like supporters in general, have been trained now to sack the manager whenever there's a poor run of form. But we we want to make a, a real change at the club and you know transition from being the team we were after you know a botched few years of you know going through managers and different players. The kind of change we want to make takes time. We won't ju- you know last season was a lot. I mean, last season and, and last summer was very much about recycling the squad and. Getting rid of a lot of players who, you know, were not ever going to play, and had a massive drag factor financially, and you know, hindered us from, you know, getting some targets. It's the second season under this manager. We don't actually know what changes he's going to plan, he's going to implement going forward. He hasn't had the chance to yet. These really good teams in the league, Pep Guardiola, with City's resources and an amazing team to walk into. Took a full, a, see, a full season to change. Liverpool, they were terrible when they first had Klopp, but then eventually they got it right, and now you know, unfortunately, they're, they're you know quite a good team. We we can't just hit the reset every time there's some bad results. We're not we're not the type of club who need to you know be so 
panicky that we oh we need to change manager we, you know we it's not working because we've got if, and if we have a bad season we'll go down no we've got the luxury of of letting something bear out and and seeing you know what he and and if in several months we're terrible or we look like we're going to get relegated or these changes that Silva's implemented don't work and okay someone better but right now it's like come on you need you need to give him more of a chance to implement the style he wants for all we know. This season, toward when we get towards the end of it, that's it. We're ready to go. You, you, you'll, you'll see that the changes have been have been settled, and we just need one more summer of a few key players, and then we're off to the races. We're getting in the Champions League spots and everything. It, it, it's just you can't just keep starting from scratch after every run of bad results. I'm not saying you can't, you know, expect better or expect better results or better performances by all means but sacking the manager should not be the trigger reaction every time we lose badly or have a have a run of bad performances you need to be a little bit more patient than that and I just it's frustrating because Silva could be a really good manager and then you know he's the change and the planning that's gone in to the, this current team that we're building it could be literally a cup like, like 10, 15, 20 games away, but we're, we're looking to, oh, we'll, we'll right it back to the beginning, another season of transition while this new manager puts in a new philosophy and then we've got to, st- and then takes until next season. And I just, I just wish football fans in general, it's not just an Evertonian thing, had a little bit more patience because we, we are, we have the luxury of not having to worry about our Premier League status. There's too much money invested, there's too much quality there. We can afford to see how it goes and it might it might really pay off. We just don't know. It, it, people are a little bit too impatient for, my, for me. Uh, I've always gotten the impression at moments like this, uh, people feel bad and they want to feel like things are happening. They want to feel like things are, you know, they, they feel helpless. You know, I know I do. I'm kind of like, damn, we, we're, we're playing like shit. Uh, what can we change? How can we change it? It's not in my hands. So the people immediately are like, they think uh, we need more signings, we need to sack the manager, you know what I mean? Like they, they jump to the things that, that they immediately link to. Uh, they, you know, they think, okay, well the manager needs to change tactics. Well, that's true. The hope is that he will when he has the people he, ha- he needs, you know what I mean? When he has uh, everybody at his disposal. We'll see. Um, I know uh, I was uh, Toffee Blues John put this tweet out there and John you can maybe cut this into the beginning of this video okay but Toffee Blues John put this tweet out there in the Twitterverse saying what are your current thoughts on Marco Silva would you sack him and if yes who would you replace him with be realistic and basically 69% said keep him 31% said sack him Um, and I'm not uh, you know so uh, I've seen some Arteta shouts you know, with Unsworth or Cahill, Jose Mourinho, um, Benitez, Moyes. Um, it's a lot of the same names we've heard before, you know? So, uh, Mar- Marcelo Bielsa. It's a lot of the same names we've heard before. A lot of the same teams, the players that are the same managers that we, you know, a lot of other people have wanted us to have before. So, anyway, I need to wrap this up, guys, because my camera's about to die. Um... So anyway, so that's that's what we've got. We're gonna see what happens. I think uh, I have a feeling the Watford Cup match is gonna be big, really big. So we'll see. Anyway, so uh, that's it for uh, this particular uh, segment. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for If You Know Your History, the Everton-based quiz segment that pets Terry against Thomas in a cage match of Toffee's wit and might. Gentlemen, we got a starting 11 quiz this time. I will be telling you a specific uh, Everton match from, from yesteryear, and you guys will have to tell me who started and who were the, the subs that were used. If you give me a sub that was unused, it will be wrong. If you give me a player that was not used, it will be wrong. If you make up a name, I may be nice to you. We'll see. And that, all right, so so uh, that's what we got going on. Uh, I have a 
a shiny fake 50 cent piece here. Yeah, it's really nice and plastic. Thomas, if you will call it in the air, heads or heads. tails? Thomas says heads. It is heads. Would you prefer to go first or second, sir? I'll go first. Thomas is going first. So if we will uh, uh, insert intense quiz music. Oh, there it is. It's it's really intense. It's like a it's like I'm watching a thriller film. Okay, so yeah, Michael Jackson thriller. No, not that. All right, so. The, uh, the match in question, gentlemen, the 15th of May, 2016, Everton 3, Norwich City 0. Okay? So, Thomas, who started the game? 60. Oh, uh, Lukaku. Lukaku did. Yes. Terry. I'm scared of getting my Everton eras mixed up. I don't want to go very early. Um, Leighton Baines? Leighton Baines did start that one. That is correct. Tomas? Um, struggling to even think of players' names here. Uh, Gareth Barry? Gareth Barry did start. That is correct. Terry, we're back on you. James Coleman? No. No. I thought was a bunker, that Seamus Coleman did not start and was not on the bench either. Alright, so Thomas has won this. Uh, let's quickly just name out a couple more names here, guys, just to kind of see. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if you guys remember this particular match. I feel so, like Thomas, I do know what game it was. I think it was um, right at the end of the season, wasn't it, when Martinez got sacked, and then it was just Unsworth and Joe Royal when they took over. Oh, That's three nil at the end of the that season. That is completely correct. Really that is the exact. That is the exact match. So then, I don't know. It could, yes. could be youth players at the time. Uh, it was John Joe Kenny. Uh, he played, and so did Davies. We hadn't seen them before. All right, you just said John Joe Kenny and Davies. Kenny was a sub. Tim Howard, last game? Mm-hmm. Tim Howard, it was Tim Howard's yeah. last game of the 2016 season. Yep. Um, and Davies did play, by the way. Um, he started. Any others, guys? Ross Barkley? Ross Barkley came in as a sub. Kieran Dowell. Kieran Dowell did start. Has Chagielka been said? I feel like he was probably there. He has not been said, and he did start. That mm. is correct. Prince Uma Nias? No. Uh. Ooh, and then I'm really struggling now. Um, well, Ender Martin. John Stones? Yes. Uh, I should have went with. Um, I I went with Coleman after Barry. Why didn't I just say McCarthy? Because Barry and McCarthy. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Because McCarthy did start. I'm gutted. Right. I had the perfect uh, song for this week. Uh, you guys are missing uh, an outside mid and a right back. And one sub. Because there was no Coleman. Yeah, I thought it was John Joe Kenny. He was playing right back. Kenny came in oh as my. a sub. Quite, quite the team. I though. have a feeling that... I remember. I remember who played right back because I remember him getting swapped for Kenny. It was Pennington. Oh, yep. right. It uh, was. It was. And there was an outside back... Or not outside back. An outside mid who started... Uh, who actually scored the third goal. Morales? 
That's correct. Yeah. Um, McCarthy scored in the 19th minute. Baines got a penalty in the 44th minute. And Morales scored in the 48th minute. And there was one more player that came on as a sub. You guys remember? Yeah. It was a player that had not been at the club very long. Came in as an outside mid. <laughs> I can't think of who it is after all. Is it Aaron Lennon? Yes. Uh... Yes. That is correct. Um, also on the bench, we had uh, Robles, Tom Cleverley, Osman, and Connolly. All right? Yeah. A strange, <laughs> strange match. Such a strange Three match. Years ago, but it was Three a, years ago, this leads yeah. to my point. We made, made a big change in a short amount of time and then changed it again because we got it wrong. People need to calm down. Yeah takes time all right so thomas congratulations what song have you picked for our uh, to play us at <laughs> that, that to be fair is, is a brilliant question i'm just scrolling through my library now i hadn't actually planned anything um born of frustration by james born of frustration by James. Now is the time where I do the old man joke thing and go, oh, James who? Oh. Yeah, because that's what old men dads do. Because I remember my dad doing that. I'm not actually going to do it. Because I, I don't. I, yeah, it's too, it's too dad. You know what I mean? Uh, it's not even a pun. You know what I mean? I'm good with puns for dad jokes, but not this. So, uh, Born of Frustration by James. Um, yeah, so, as we listen, uh, oh, you know what, we should actually say, why, because we have to talk about the song a little bit in order for it to be legal. Uh, I was kind of, I was just scrolling through my, um, my library recently, I saw Sit Down by James, I was like, well, we, we can't have that, it's a Liverpool chant, so I just thought the next James song that came to my head, so, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, ha- have I... Have I heard this song before? Or is this one of those I probably um, would not have? Probably like 50 Because I don't know it by name. You might have, you might not have. You might have heard bits of it. It's not like a particularly well-known song, but it's not exactly a, a small song. Mm. Terry, do you know no, this? No, I, I don't, to be honest. So I, the first time I hear it is when I listen to the podcast back. Okay. Open to being... Right. Uh, and... What was open that, to being impressed... Ah, Terry is saying, "Dazzle me, Thomas." Um, so, <laughs> uh, and if this, if that particular song were like in a soundtrack for a TV show or a movie, what would be happening? Well, it, <laughs> he sounds like he's screaming for most of the song. To be fair, not in a bad way. It's just kind of how he how he sings. Um, I don't know, something dramatic. It's, it's quite a dramatic song. I can't really think of anything to mind straight away. The music I like, there is no bad way. I'm, I'm into all the screaming type music, aren't I? Yeah, it's bad. It's like that kind of screaming. You... It's like just loud, loud noise, basically. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. Well, then, it may be uh, born of frustration. May be pretty apt for uh, for the podcast today. <laughs> Being an Everton supporter, because yeah, we have a lot of frustration and we all want to yell through it. Um, so uh, as we listen to "Born of Frustration" by James, it's time to end the Toffee Blues podcast. If you've been listening, we really appreciate it. Please subscribe to the Toffee Blues podcast, rate it if you can, uh, and if you get a, a hair up your ass and you're like, I uh, am curious as to what Thomas's room looks like now. Uh, check out the YouTube channel because you can see it. It's got a nice, fresh paint, of, uh, a f- fresh coat of paint, uh, blue. You know, it's very nice. Yeah, so you should check it out. Just saying, it's totally worth subscribing to our YouTube channel. Uh, <laughs> but if you want more Thomas, uh, check out the uh, the Topic Blues website. He drops his uh, player ratings on there, and he also does the social media uh, live tweeting uh, when he'll update 
let you know what's going on in the games. That's always Tom. That's not always Thomas's words, but it's often Thomas's words. So check that out. Um, if you want more Terry, walk outside your house. He waits for you there. Hugs abound. You'll you'll thank me later. Uh, also, Liverpool Echo fan Jerry. He he blurbs his words there. It happens. Um, and lastly, but not leastly, because that's the way I speak. Um, check out the Top of Blues website. Lots of everything content on there. Subscribe to Top of Blues on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I am finished plugging. No more. Terry, good to talk to you, man. Me too, man. Always a pleasure, gents. Yeah, Thomas, my friend. Thanks for having me, as always. Nice. Thank, thanks for coming on. Both of you guys, as always, it's a pleasure. Uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's go back to our to our lives. Yeah. And at some point, maybe Everton will make us smile again. Uh, all right, everybody. See you later. Bye.